Welcome to this ASVO podcast on post-harvest vineyard management. This podcast is part of a series looking at current best practice in the vineyard and winery and what's on the horizon. Drought or waterlogged, or if you're really lucky, somewhere in between, is how viticulturalist Liz Riley describes post-harvest for the Hunter Valley. Hello, I'm Caroline Winter, and effectively dealing with such variations requires a nimble approach. To discuss it in more detail, Liz joins us for this ASVO podcast. Thanks for your time. No problem. Liz, where are you located? I'm in the damp Hunter Valley today. Damp Hunter Valley. And you say that because I understand the most recent vintage has been a particularly difficult one. We've had probably 900 mils for our growing season, which will freak most people out. And look, for us, that was probably 50% more than we would have in a normal growing season. So yeah, very challenging, but pleasingly, pretty much everything came in. So yeah, good result. 900 mils is a lot, and coming with that in your location, you have a different harvest schedule compared to the southern one that I'm in. So when do you harvest? Look, in the drought years, we were starting as early as the 2nd or 3rd of January. This year, due to all that rain and and crops being a bit larger, we moved back to a more traditional timing. Maybe around the 20th of January, we would have kicked off. But our our harvest schedule is not a start and then go through to the end. It's very driven by looking at the forecasts, looking at site access, looking at fruit condition, and then working backwards to getting machinery and labour, which, you know, obviously with COVID, we've had all those other challenges. So it's a bit like playing a game of chess. There's a fair bit of strategy, but the odd cut and run event as well. It sounds like you have quite a reasonable gap then until the vines go dormant. Yeah, so we would normally have 10 to 12 weeks, depending on our early varieties or later varieties. Maybe for some blocks, it could even be up to 14 weeks, where from harvest to kind of full leaf drop and going into pre-pruning senescence, you've nearly got another half a growing season. So in a normal year when it's not quite so wet and we have you know moderate canopy retention or, or nearly a full canopy you kind of want to preserve that or you're not even unhappy if you get a very light flush of growth. So it's not unusual that, say, if we'd picked in early to mid-January that we got, you know, an inch or two of rain in February. If you get a gentle flush of growth, you actually want to hang on to that. You don't you don't want to force growth, but you'd like to keep that going and just putting away some nice reserves. And that, that has time to do that. So, yeah, we quite actively look after those canopies. But the years like this where we'd had a lot of downy, Canopies were very tired. The ground was really wet and actually quite unsafe to go on on some of our hillier sites. We actually just left the vines alone, partly because their root systems were waterlogged as well. So it was a bit, a little bit more complex, but the decisions in some ways were taken out of our hands due to the, the physical terrain issues. So what are your key priorities during that period? Okay, so my priorities post-harvest pre-dormancy, there's a few. So it's it's preserving and maintaining my canopy and, and getting a bit more mileage out of it. It's also vineyard floor management and hygiene and preparation, I guess, for anything that I want to have for the winter. So cover cropping, floor management. Often we have rain during harvest, so weed growth really starts to get away if there's regular rain because your focus is on picking. So getting in and, and cleaning up weeds. So we can't wait until dormancy to come in with something to do a really good clean up. We would have to do some more active management along the way. And the strategy on that is, again, very weather dependent. If it looks like we've got the appropriate moisture levels or, or we're going to get rain in preparation for cover crops is another activity. Liz, you mentioned hygiene. Does that include dealing with powdery mildew? 
Yeah, but that's more, it's more active management for us. So if you've got a good residual canopy or you've had a little flush of growth, when I say little flush, maybe another 30 centimetres of growth, which is unprotected, it's about protecting that. It's not unusual for us to go out with a just really simple chemistry, so a copper, sulphur, and generally we would add a caterpillar control product to that pass and do one fungicide once we've got that bit of growth. And if it's a very early season and there's a little bit more growth, we may even do a second one. And arguably the the powdery that we would get then isn't going to impact on our wood for next year because those bud scales are already closed. But we do want that canopy to be effective given the vines generated it. And I guess the caterpillar control agent you put in, whether you see caterpillars or not, and just at at a low rate for vine moth control, because invariably if you fungicide on Monday by Friday, if you haven't put the caterpillar spray in, you'll find caterpillars. They just seem to have this knack of appearing. So the hygiene is for that is more about crop protection or canopy protection versus, I guess for me, the hygiene is, is weeds and airflow and, and gaining control of anything that you might not want to be a host or any other issue in the vineyard. What about soil preparation? Does that enter into the equation during this period? Not so much in February, March, more March, April, May. Again, depends on on the conditions. So in the Hunter, we never average. It's either, it feels like we're either in drought or in waterlogging. It's it's not often in between. So in the drought seasons, when it was very dry and hard, really would just be a slash if you needed it in the mid-rows and undervine. Again, you know, because we've been irrigating heavily, you do have weed growth and our weeds don't need a lot of moisture to really kick off. It's, it's things like cooch and kaikuyu and big clumpy grassy weeds. So you do need to keep control of those. Mid-rows in a wetter season, you know, if, if you were going cover cropping, some people will work things up, particularly if they've got hard pans in the tractor wheel marks. But often people are just direct drilling. So, you know, slash it down and, and then get into it and fingers crossed that we'll get a, an autumn break to, to give enough moisture to get that going. So it sounds like nutrition is later on for you. I understand also that you've been applying boron as part of that. Yeah, so that post-harvest spray is actually a really, really great opportunity to put out foliar boron. Your vines have got time to take it up, park it where they need it. We often seem to run into the challenge of trying to put on boron prior to flowering as a foliar is that if we're running into the need to use post-eradicant fungicides for downy, so a metal axle or a foss acid where we can use it, there just seems to again be that Murphy's Law that that coincides with when you'd want to put out zinc and boron before flowering and and you run into compatibility issues with what you really want to do to keep your fungicide program on track and and that's pretty important like if if downy's already threatening at that point you don't want to compromise it with adding other things to your spray tank so boron kind of often gets bumped so now i think that shift to putting it in that post harvest spray gets it on ticks the box and, and it takes that complication out for the next season Are there things that you can do post-harvest that aid bud and flower formation for next vintage? It's probably not so much aiding the flower and bud formation, but it's about planning when you might get your bud burst. So it's the how early do you prune question up here. You know, we are now kind of mid-May and people are entertaining it, but it's not super cold. It's it's still quite mild. And while there's pressure on us from a labour point of view for the, the labour crews that move across the state going like, we've got this gap, we're ready to go, it's that conscious decision to hold off till it gets a bit colder because if if it gets cool for a week or two and then we get a little warm spell again things want to go prematurely and that then makes us quite vulnerable to frost 
and we're not traditionally a frost prone area, but we certainly, we feel like we just get these odd little events popping up now. So that's probably the bigger thing. Where do you go to get your information to help you in your work? Oh, look, information pops up all over the place. You know, it's, it's workshops, it's fact sheets, it's talking to other people. I quite like social media these days. It's often watching or seeing something that someone else has done or there's a whole lot of little chat groups out there these days. So again, being part of those and being able to throw out something you think is a bit left field and someone else validating that and going, yeah, I think what you're suggesting lines up or pointing out some flaw in your plan so that you maybe save yourself from a disaster. So I think networks are really important and I'm fortunate I'm part of the Viticulture Australia kind of, I guess, behind the scenes crew and and that's really given me some great networks across the country to to have those online conversations with. And and, and what often spills over now is you pick up the phone and and connect with people you haven't met before and, and talk about something because they go, oh yeah, I've done that before, do you want to have a chat? that's one of those lovely things about the wine industry is we're all quite collegiate in finding solutions. Liz, it sounds like post-harvest is a period that requires a bit of flexibility. I think the bottom line for us is you have to be nimble and you have to be reviewing what the outlook is on a weekly, fortnightly, monthly basis looking forward. So, you know, La Nina was meant to be gone in January and it's just lingering. You know, they keep saying, oh, it's, it's weakening, but in another fortnight. So, So your decision-making has to be just constantly being reviewed. And, you know, at the same time, the other really important thing for us in this post-harvest period is actually managing the health and welfare of our staff and our teams and making sure they get downtime. So, you know, most of our teams have had really good breaks, partly driven by the wet. I think most are disappointed that their holiday at the coast has been wet, but they've also been off farm and off machinery and actually had a chance to to have a breather. So that's probably the part we I think we often miss in post-harvest care is, is looking after our people. Consultant viticulturalist Liz Riley, thanks for sharing your insights on dealing with a wide range of post-harvest conditions in the Hunter Valley on this ASVO podcast. Thanks for having me. This ASVO podcast is part of a series funded by Wine Australia. ASVO's mission is to advance technical knowledge and promote excellence. For more information, visit asvo.com.au.